I'm Elizabeth Fay, and I am a huge Schedulisty fan, enthusiast, um, promoter. So what Schedulisty can really do for your business and what it can do for your life um, is so amazing. So it's a modern tool that's going to help you systemize all the procedures in your business. And they're probably some of them are ones you didn't even know you have or you should have. It's going to systemize them. It's going to make everything streamline and do it for you while you sleep. And this is the way that you can make more money and have more quality of life. So everything from upping your rebooking rates to taking deposits, helping you enforce your no-show and cancellation policies, all the way to your email marketing, and even the way you get tipped and process payments. It's like having a front desk, an assistant, and a virtual assistant all in one in your pocket for such an affordable price. So if you haven't already gotten... Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, and this amazing podcast is brought to you by Schedulicity. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I'm sitting with my best friend, Tom. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? Nothing, man. We, uh, we got a big one today. Yeah, it's uh, somebody who we've been talking about for a while now. I would love to get her on our podcast, and today's the day. Today is the day. We actually, um, we met our guest today at, um, just a few months ago, back in January. Uh, um, We met for the first time. I guess we'd been in touch a little bit, um, but we met for the first time at the uh, Matrix Destination at the after after party. We met a lot of people at that after party, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did. It was uh, down in Orlando. It It was a great time. It was great, you know just networking and just kind of just digging deeper with our friends and just, it's a, if you ever get a chance to go there, you got to do it. Yeah. Matrix destination was definitely a a special place to be. And, uh, you know, it was funny. You go to the after party and you're like, wow, everybody in the industry is kind of here. I didn't realize Matrix had arms as long, you know, but it was kind of crazy, you know? So, um, so, I mean, today we're talking to, at least currently is a legend in our industry. You know, I mean, she, uh, she, 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 she's changed the game. I think that, um, I think when it came to independent education, I think that there's a lot of people that are in that game and there's only, there's a very, very few, very, very small handful, I guess is the best way to put it that are really like really, really making a difference as far as how it should be done and how it's done and, and, and owning it and managing it in, in the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, very, you know, you have a lot of people jumping on, but there's very few people that's been there from the beginning, right? And she's definitely one of the the pioneers, one of the, you know, the kind of the leader in forefront of this whole independent education, this whole independent movement. And uh, she's been doing things a little differently uh, since the beginning, uh, especially when it comes to social media or just like, you know, just kind of going the in the wrong way in a one-way street. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> She, she's an OG is what you're trying to say. She's yeah, exactly. You know, one of the original killers, killers in the, in the, in the industry. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and get in. I mean, our, our guest today is Lisa Walker, um, uh, also known as Lisa loves balayage and, and she's literally one of my favorite Instagram accounts to follow. She's definitely, although, um, 
you know, I, I'll admit that I don't, I don't make it the whole hour, but uh, I love watching her, um, her lives that she does. It's just filled with inspiration, filled with, uh, I think the best way to describe Lisa is to filled with no BS. You know, uh, the one thing I love about Lisa is that you, you know exactly where you stand, right? with her there's no there's no guessing where you stand with her um uh, yeah she's 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 up front she's straightforward she doesn't beat around the bush she tells you how she sees it how she feels and, and that that is very welcomed in the industry because you know it, it, a lot of times it's the other way you're like where are they coming from or how am i being used or not used in a bad way but like what how is the situation being used but you know you know exactly where she stands but uh let's go ahead and get in tom what do you think yeah, let's do it. Bring her in, man. All right, Miss Lisa Walker, welcome to your day off. Good morning, guys. What's up, man? How you doing? How you feeling? Yeah. I'm just over here, you know, drinking, eating some corn and drinking some tea. A <laughs> <laughs> little inside joke there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, might as well go ahead and share it with everybody else, a little inside joke. Uh, go ahead, Corey. You wanted to say... Uh, Put it, uh, put, it, put it in my repertoire. Yeah. So, uh, why is all these people eating corn and drinking tea? Why? I don't know. Because everyone's talking about this quarantine. But <laughs> 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 boom. Where's my drum? Where's my drum? Don't I have a drum on here, Tony. Yeah. I don't know where it is. <laughs> it's fine. It's corny. <laughs> hey, Lisa, man, thanks for making time. Thanks for, uh, I know it took us a, bit, a little bit to get on because, you know, um, she is like the busiest woman in hairdressing. But uh, thank you for making the time for us. Absolutely. So, yeah. So where are you from? I'm from Detroit, Michigan. Born and raised. Born and raised? Wow. I've never, never lived anywhere else. That's why she's so tough. That's why she's no BS, man, because uh, Detroit is in her blood. You right. know what's crazy about that? Everybody says that about me, right? And I and I know that I'm that way, uh-huh. but I I feel like it's so normal to me that um, when people say it, it's like, well, what other way is there to be? Like, why isn't everybody that way? Right. But you know, it's the truth, though, Lisa. I mean, you know that 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 you you just got to know it's the truth. No, I don't. I don't deny that. I always tell that. I always tell my I'm very aware of what people think of me. I'm, I'm very aware. I'm not. I'm no. I'm not naive to that at all, but it's just how I am and have always been. So I guess I just, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I know I'm not like Southern sweet. I know that. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I know that. But I tell people, like, once you get to know me, I'm like, I'm very nice though. Like, I always pay it forward. I go to restaurants. I pay people's bills in front of me, behind me. I'll give you my last. I'm just not overly, um... Southern sweet, I guess, is the word. (laughs) Let's not confuse her with Southern sweet. Let's confuse her with, I don't know, Northern sour. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what to call it, but when people tell me that about me, I'm always like, isn't every, why isn't everybody that way? Well, because, yeah, I mean, listen, we, we, we all navigate this life the best way that we see, that that we see fit. And, you know, what's worked for us in, in navigation, you know, doesn't, doesn't, everybody doesn't fit into that, you know? So, uh, and, you know, then that's how you stand out, right? I guess. That's it. I just so, think it's normal. <laughs> so did, are your parents from Detroit as well? Did they grow up in Detroit? My dad was actually born in Japan. Um, but my mom, yes. Okay, so my, my grandmother is 100% Japanese. Um, my grandfather was in the military, met my grandma. They had four kids. My dad is very Americanized, though. He's 
doesn't speak Japanese. He's born on American Air Force Base. And then they came, my grandpa's from Michigan. So once he got out of the military, they moved back here. And then they, he met my mom and they have um, five kids. And you're still there today. Yep. Are all your siblings still in Detroit as well? Um, well, I have an older sister. She passed away. And I have three younger brothers all in Michigan. And then I have a younger sister. And that's a whole other story. Lisa, how did you, uh, how'd you get into the hair industry? Accidentally, um, when I was in high school, my senior year, they offered, you could go to vocational school for three hours a day. And the only reason I even wanted to do it at all is because you got out of school like an hour earlier than if you went to regular school. Right. So when I went to the list of things, the only thing that even remotely interested me, because it was like childcare, culinary arts, computers, automotive, was the cosmetology um, course. But it, I was also turned off by it because I said, well, if I take this, I got to go for another year afterwards because it's a two-year course. So you go like, it's like 13th grade, basically, because you go for half a day during your senior year and then another year. But in my mind, I said, well, I'll just do it this year and then I'll just drop out for the year after that because I don't want to keep going to school. Right. But when I got there, one of the things the teacher said right away is she started talking about statistics. She's like, half of you that are here now will not be here next year. The half of you that make it to next year won't actually do hair. The half of you that actually go on to get your license won't actually be in the business longer than X amount of years. And I remembered then, I was like, you know, I don't want to become a statistics. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see this through. And then when I got in there and I started doing the work, I was actually naturally really good at the practical part, like getting my hands in there and doing things. The theory part, was a big challenge for me. Um, and it always was up until like the last couple of years, to be honest with you. So I was always really good at the practical part. You, you show me how to do something and I can do it, but having me explain it or understand it is totally different. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, and I'll be honest, nobody in my family from my siblings have been to college. So I was like one of the first ones to go on and do something outside of high school. So I decided to turn it into something. That's amazing. Lisa, were you artistic as a kid? Hell no. I can't even draw stick figures. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bully when I was a kid. You were? Yeah, I, I, got, I, a lot of, I got in a lot of fights. <laughs> what? <laughs> like left hooking people? Yeah, I even got suspended once in cosmetology school. Dude, what are you doing, man? Okay, I'm that girl, like... I know people aren't not going to be surprised at that, but you can say whatever you want about me. I, I, I really don't care. I don't care. Tell me I'm fat. Tell me I'm ugly, whatever. But if you talk about my family, we're going to have a problem. So I had a lot of siblings. So if you talked about my sister, we're getting in a fight. Talk about my cousin, we're getting in a fight. You say something about my mom, we're getting in a fight. Lisa, did, were you the type to like swell up on people or did you just like knock people out? Um, no, I, I lost a couple. But, but would you, but, but what I'm saying is that, would you like... I always instigated. <laughs> except for one, except for one. What happened with that one? The girl, um, came from behind. I didn't even know I was about to get in a fight. Right. She just came from behind me and pulled me down and just sat on top of me and just started wailing on me. No but after that, I was never afraid to fight. Was that, that was it? Was that, was that the first fight or, or early on? That was the first one. That was the turning point though. You're like, hey, this don't hurt. 
all right, I got you now. I was like, oh, I'll never let anybody just talk. We got it. We got it. We just go for it now. Because if you, if, you t- if you talk too much, they're going to get you. Right. <laughs> I, had a, I had a good friend that used to believe that. I had a good friend that, like, whenever something went down, like, you know how guys, like, you know, puff up their chest and stuff? If you puffed up your chest to him, you would be sleeping. Because <laughs> Puffy came with a, with a following fist. <laughs> well, my sisters are 14 months older and 18 months younger. So I, had, I was fighting with them my whole life. Right. Uh, yeah. So you had both. Is it a big family? Like even outside, like you said, cousins and everything else. Okay. So we're like stair steps. So when we were younger, I had a cousin that was right in between. So we would be like four, five, six, and seven. So it was my two sisters plus my cousin between. So I do a big family, but that cousin in particular was lived really close. So she was like in the middle. So it was like, for example, in high school, went ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. Wow. And you all went to the same high school? And where, where did you fit in that? When you, when you, I'm second oldest. All right. So you were in 11th when everybody else. By 11th yeah. grade, people are like, yeah, that's, that's Lisa's sister, yeah. Lisa's cousin. And you don't mess okay, with this, her. This, 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 it's funny that you said that because anytime there was a fight even talked about in school, my older sister would be like, who did my sister get in a fight with? She didn't even have to ask who it was. She already knew it was me and somebody else. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you get in fights with dudes too? Uh, no, but I wouldn't have been afraid to. <laughs> they were smart enough. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to do a little name drop right now. You know, like, uh, like over the years, we or over the last few months, we've become uh, pretty close with Tabitha. And people always say, you know, you know uh, that they're scared to talk to Tabitha and stuff. And, um, and, and I just tell them, no, no, once you get to know Tabitha, you know, you're, you're way less scared. She's, she's very cool and she's very sweet. When people talk about Lisa, I'm going to be like, yeah, but I'm kind of more scared of Lisa now. Than- <laughs> <laughs> you said that because me and Tabitha get along really great. Oh, yeah. She's awesome, by the way. But, you know, this isn't the Tabitha story. This is the Lisa story. I didn't, I didn't realize we were going to talk about left hooks and stuff, though. That's pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> you, you guys need to edit all that out. I don't want people to think I'm that way. <laughs> nah. I ain't editing anything, Lisa. Nah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So after hair school and stuff, so you are, so was your goal also to, you know, I guess, it's, isn't it like five years or something, Tony? The, yeah. uh, the dropout rate? Yeah. So were, you, were you determined to make it past that five years or at that point you were No, just, I was determined to make it past the five years. That's pretty cool to like, to have no direction and then in an instant or with a challenge almost, or something that you saw as a challenge went right to like, okay, I'm going to make it to five years. Well, I think that's um, why it took me so long to become, um, I, I, I don't, I don't call myself successful. I say success is measured individually. Like people are always like, how long did it take you to become successful? And I said, well, what's your definition of success? For some people, it's having a, a happy and healthy family. For some people, it's money in the bank. For some people, it's notoriety. For some people, it's... So I say success is, is determined by what you think it is. But for myself, you know, I hear people say all the time, like, oh, I knew I wanted to do hair from the time I was a little kid, or my mother did hair, and I used to go to the salon with her. I did not have a passion for doing hair per se till about 16 years in oh wow it was just like i went to work and i came home i didn't go to any routine yeah i didn't i didn't really do any like ongoing education i didn't try to build my business i was like it was and and this lady told me and this is what kind of turned me around is she's like if you treat it like a hobby it'll pay you like a hobby and that's how i got paid for a lot of years wow wow like, what were you, what were you, like, during your hobby, we'll call it the hobby years, the hobby years by Lisa Walker, <laughs> like, in your hobby years, like, what, 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 what'd your paychecks look like? 
Well, I posted them on my Instagram and um, they were like maybe between four and $500 every two weeks. So 250 bucks a week or so. Yeah. And I mean, if you, if you multiply that, you know, you have to do double that to get commission, but like a good week for me would be like $800 for the week. For the week. Wow. Yeah. Holy. And I thought I was doing pretty good. Yeah. Right. I didn't have a, I didn't have a measuring stick. What, what, what do you mean you didn't have a measuring stick? Like you okay, didn't so I, start, I started off in a corporate salon and I worked there for almost 10 years. And when you work in corporate, it's very different than like um, independent commission salons or even being a booth renter. Cause it really is like a job. You go in, you clock in, you work your set hours, you get vacation time for, it's like a regular job. You get hourly pay if you don't make commission. So it was, I was so young. I was like 18 or 19 years old. And I don't know what the other girls were making. I had no idea. So even if I had no client, I was still getting a paycheck because I had an hourly wage. Got it. So, so the- it wasn't until I left there and went to another salon that I saw these like really, really busy six-figure stylists that I was like, whoa. Whoa. Open up a whole new world. Did that, I mean, you seem pretty competitive, you know, knocking people out and, um, and then, you know, being challenged with, uh, with the dropout rate. Did you, uh, did you take that as, as competition? And, and first question and second question is, was it healthy com- uh, competition? You guys are actually gonna be surprised by this. So that's not actually how it went. Um, instead of me being like motivated to be to to come to that level I actually did the opposite and I kind of like my shoulders came down a little bit and I sunk down in the chair a little bit and I and I started to feel like less than so it actually it actually ruined my confidence they didn't do it to me I did to myself I'm not gonna say that because let me just say this if you had asked me like six years ago I would have put all the blame on a situation Right. You know, well, it was, it was this reason. It was that reason. It was this reason. It was that re- It was everybody else's fault. And then, well, I guess I'm going to tell the story again, even though I've told it a thousand times, but people always tell me that I tell the story. So I worked in a corporate salon for like 10 years. And then when I decided to leave, you have to understand there was some huge things that happened in my life at that time. That it wasn't just my career, but it was my life too. Um, I lost my sister to suicide I moved back home with my mother. I was like, all these things were happening at once. So I went to a different salon and it was an independent commission salon. And I remember when I walked in there and they had hardwood floors. And this is why I remember, I remember when my heels were hitting the floor because I wore some like heeled shoes. I said, I want to work here. The sound of my shoes across the floor. And I remember I called and left a message on their voicemail and I didn't get a call back right away. Um, and then I read about them. They had a write up in the paper about this new salon that had opened up. And when I read the paper, it said that they had like nine employees already. And I remember telling my mom, I'm like, I didn't get the job. They're not going to call because in my mind, I thought they were fully staffed, but I didn't know at the time the nine people were like two receptionists, two stylists. And like, it was no stylist. So they actually did call me and I went in for an interview and I was the only stylist they had at the time. I was the very first one they hired. And I remember, um, I was using a certain brand at the time. And they used a different brand. And I remember asking them if they would bring in the brand that I used. And they said that they couldn't do that cost-wise and things like that, that I would have to convert to what they used. Okay. 
So I told them, I remember telling them, like, I'm, I'm a busy stylist, you know, I'm, I'm booked all day, you know, because that was my justification for wanting them to get the color line that I was using. So I had to do a model and whatnot, and I did that, and I started working there. Well, when I told them I was busy, my idea of busy was, like, one client every two hours. So four people a day. Right. At a, at a rate of, like, 90 bucks, mm. right? Their busy was half hour, half hour, half hour, half hour. They were running circles around me. So, and it, and I wasn't really bothered by it at first. It wasn't until they brought in like three or four more of those same type of stylists that I really started to like take notice. Like, wow, I'm like not busy at all. I'm the least busy person in here. And I've been doing hair longer than some of the people in here. Mm-hmm. So it got to a point, and, and then during this time, I went through some more transitions in my life. I got married. I had a child. I bought a home. And all those things combined, I remember I, I cut my schedule a little bit more. I just, my head wasn't in there anymore. I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was just, I just wasn't even there. And I remember- um, You didn't want to do it. You didn't want to do hair? No. So you wanted to get out of the industry completely? Yeah. But I'll tell you what was the turning point. Because I remember going into work one day, and I have a good relationship with, with this salon now. But I remember at the time, this is what would have been. So I go into work, and they had a new layout, and everyone's stations were changed. Okay? So I went from this station that I had had for like seven years, being their first employee, to now sitting in this other area. And something about it, like, shook me to my core. I couldn't shake it. Like, it was, it was eating me up. I remember I was literally like, you guys think I'm this tough girl. I was crying about it almost every day. And I didn't want to tell my husband because he, I feel like he was gonna be like, are you serious? You're crying over a station. I realized now it was not about that. It was so much more than that. At the time, that is what it felt like though. So I told, I finally did break down and I said, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm, and he goes, what are you gonna do? I said, anything, just not that. I had applied for a job at Nordstrom. I'd applied for a job at Sephora. I said, I'm going to stay in the industry. And I was crying because I told my husband, like, I love doing this. I just don't make any money. No, actually, that's what he said. He goes, why are you crying? He goes, you don't even make any money. Like, it's kind of funny, actually, now that I think about it. (laughs) So I remember, and I talk about her all the time. I call her Mama Donna. I remember telling my Mama Donna that I was leaving. And she's like, what are you going to do? I said, I don't have any plans. I'm just going to figure it out. I said, my husband said he'll support me until I figure it out. And my husband works for the state. He works in the um, Department of Corrections. And I've always been interested in like forensics and police work. So I told him, I said, I'll, maybe I'll get a job with him. But I'll be honest with you guys, the whole husband, wife working together thing, me and my husband are not real big fans of that. <laughs> <laughs> like you get up together, you ride to work together, or you have lunch together, you drive home together, you eat dinner together, and then you go to, it's just too much togetherness. And I'm a very like, for oh, for a wife, like I'm that type of wife that like, I want him to be able to go to work and bullshit and, and flirt and talk shit without having to worry about his wife looking over his shoulder. You know, like if another, if another, if a, if a cute girl walks by and a guy's like, man, did you see her? I want my husband to not have to feel like, is my wife listening? <laughs> so the idea of like, really that I want to do it too. <laughs> so the idea of working together, that was like, it, it became less appealing. Right. 
So I remember telling Donna I wanted to leave and she said, no, you can't leave. I said, no, I have to leave. I said, Donna, I don't make any money. I'm unhappy. I'm, I've tried and I'm sick of it. <laughs> so she said, well, have you ever thought about going to these other salons? This is the ironic part. You guys have to understand. The salon that she mentioned me going to was the same salon that six people from the salon that I was working at came from. So in my mind, I'm thinking, why would I go there? It must be a terrible place to work if all of you guys left and came here. Sure. Why wouldn't you think that? Right. Yeah. So Donna said, no, 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 it, it wasn't that. She said, um, it was, she said, Lisa, I loved it there. I made the most money I've ever made there. And, and I'm like, I don't know, you know? So I went to another salon first and I applied there and I got hired. And then I went to the other salon, the one that she was talking about. And to be honest with you, I looked around and I was, I was focusing on the wrong thing. I was like, well, it's not as new. It's not as updated. I don't know if my clients are going to want to pay my prices. If the salon is not the same ambiance, you know, it's a little more dated. But what I did notice is that everything, even though it was dated, was a lot the same. And it makes sense because all the people that were from the salon I was at came to the salon that I was thinking about going to. So like what I mean, the same is like the candy was the same. The cookies were the same. The coffees were the same. The, the way you write up your ticket was the same. Everything was the same color line. Everything was the same because that's probably the only thing that they knew. So they just took what they knew and transferred it over here. And I remember at the other salon too, what really broke me down was that some of the other younger, newer stylists were busier than me. And my reason for that at the time was I said, well, it's the receptionist's fault because she gives all the clients to the new girls or the young girls because they're friends. So I hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed over going to this other salon. But one of the big things that was drawing me to it was booth rental. But I couldn't do booth rental because I didn't have any freaking customers. Right. So the owner told me, she said, if I come over there, that she'll help me. She'll build me up again. And now you guys have to understand, this is like 15 years in and I'm like rebuilding books at 15. And I'm, and it's not that I moved from like, this is a mile, maybe a mile and a half. So it's not like I moved to a different state, a different city, nothing, not just starting like 15 years in. And I'm like, really at the bottom again. So when I get to the new salon, oh, this is where what happened though Donna told me if you go I'll go with you so that was kind of gave me the courage to like keep going a little bit right. and I remember when I went to the new salon there was two stations open there was one in the front and one in the back and the ironic part is is they moved me to the back of the salon and that's the part that I couldn't handle but when I got to the new one I chose the station in the back and I think it's because my confidence at this point was so low that it was just e like it was easy access like to go out the back door no one had to see me I didn't have to interact with people and I could just you know come and go without anybody even noticing sure so that's where I started off and that's where I sat and I started off and I was not a booth renter because I like I said I didn't have any clients or any money and the owner did she fed me clients <laughs> and I remember um now you have to understand I, I didn't really have any hair just of friends I didn't talk about hair anything and I got introduced to these, this was um, probably, my son was really young, so it had to be about six or seven years ago now. But I remember someone introduced me to the, one of the Facebook hair forums. And I was like, I was obsessed with it. Like every waking minute, I found myself in this Facebook forum. And I, it was all this information that I had never 
knew about. I never discovered. No, let me, I'm sorry. I have to back up a little bit. Um, when it came to converting to the color line that they were using, I didn't really convert per se. I would just go to the owner and ask, what should I use? What should I use? What should... So I never really learned that color line either. I just followed someone else's direction, basically. So I went into these Facebook forums and I was reading all the time, constantly, constantly, constantly. And I became, now I'm starting to actually become inspired. Like, and I hate that word because I say inspiration is short lived. Like you can be inspired by a flower and then two minutes later it do something else. Right. So I always tell people, try, try not to be inspired because it's, it's very short lived. Be more motivated or self-driven. But I guess I, I became motivated, maybe is the word. And I remember I, would, I didn't have anybody talk to either. And I would go to my husband. I would say, oh, my God, let me tell you what I learned. Let me tell you what I learned. <laughs> <laughs> so I was becoming obsessed with learning, I guess it was. But I also became ashamed because what I was learning is that I really didn't know anything about my craft. Like, I had written master colorists on my business cards for 15, 16 years. And I know the first thing about color hair. Wow. Like these words that I was reading about, I'm like, I should know what that is. I should know what that is. I should know what that is. And I didn't. And I was embarrassed and I was ashamed. And But instead of giving into that, I, I got, I started to educate myself even more. And I started to share it. And so what I realized through that is that I didn't really have a passion. I do have a passion for doing hair because I wanted to implement the things I was learning but I really liked the sharing part. I couldn't wait to go and tell somebody what I learned. Right. But I'm also, and, and I had no intentions, zero. Yes. I never had a dream of being a platform artist, an educator, um, working for, never, 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 never. As a matter of fact, there was a conversation one time where someone told me to stop sharing all the information that I had, because if I do that, no one's going to come to my classes. And I literally remember laughing and they go, what classes? I'm not planning on doing any classes. That's, <laughs> I have no intentions <laughs> on doing that. <laughs> so I would just write, this is still Facebook. This is before Instagram. Sure. I would just post a picture and I would write a nice long caption. I'm really good at captioning. So I was just fine living through a screen. I didn't want to have to go in front of anybody or show anybody anything. But I would do the most to try to explain it through visuals. I would even do videos. And now this was back before Instagram too. So on Facebook, you could do a three, four or five minute video. And, and I wouldn't talk through it because I was still too nervous to try to do that. I would type everything out. This was step one, step two, step three. And the more I did that, the more people like were asking me for more and more and more information. And I was... In I'm like, I didn't even think that I had anything to share with anybody. So people asking me to share information was like, it was kind of, I was kind of nervous because I'm like, I don't want to tell anybody anything wrong. And I don't know if what I'm telling them is right, mm -hmm. but at the same time they're asking. So obviously they're hungry for information too. So it just kind of happened that way. And what I really, yeah. So what I realized is that, you know what? A lot of these people are going through the same thing that I'm going through or I went through. So during this time that I built myself up, I was able to start becoming a booth renter at the salon I was at. Um, so you guys have to understand my logic was terrible at the time. Lisa, hold on, hold on. I, before, we, before we jump on. So when you were sharing, before we jump forward, when, when you were sharing, were you just sharing stuff that you were learning on the forums anyways? Or, or at this point, did you start to create your own techniques um, and uh, share? Well, that, I, that, I, I kind of got ahead of myself. So that's why I was going to go backwards a little bit is um 
when I started to become a booth renter at the salon, I wanted to, when you become a this is why I want to become a booth renter because you can you now have creative freedom. If you don't want to use color line A, you can use this color line or this color line or that color line. And that's what I was really, really, really interested in is, is trying new things. I'm a researcher by nature. I research everything. If I'm going to buy a bed, I, I, I've been looking at a mattress for like six months now, you guys, but I have to read every review and watch every YouTube video. <laughs> so I started researching color lines. Okay. Like, cause my logic was this. I'll buy the cheapest color because I'll make more money. Then I switched up and said, no, I'll buy the best color because it'll give me the best color. I want to do any work. It'll just do it for me. So through my research is where I realized that I didn't know shit. I didn't know shit about color and air. Right. So the more I dug, the more I dug, the more I dug, the more curious I became. So, and then, so here's the funny part. I finally found a review that didn't have any bad reviews. So I decided to order that one color line, which took an act of God because nobody sells it. And the reason why there's no bad reviews is because nobody uses it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was easy. So I, 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 if this was like actually video broadcast, I would show you my basement because my basement is, has more color down in there than a Cosmoprof. Are you serious? Because I ended up investing in every color. I have Goldwell. I have Wella. I have Oligo. I have Redken. I have Schwarzkopf. I have Paul Mitchell. I have brands you never even heard of. I have JKS. I have J. Because I kept, I kept getting like more and more and more and more and more curious about all these color lines, right? Right. Finally, I sat down and read one of the manuals. <laughs> and I read it like cover to cover. Right. And then I read it cover to cover again. And I'm like, you know what? I'm starting to understand this. Little light bulbs. Yes. And so that's when I began to share what I was understanding. Because I was finally starting to understand what I should have understood for the last 15 years. But in my sharing, I realized most hairdressers don't know this information. Most. I thought I was the only one that didn't know. And that was my reason for not sharing at first. Because I said, I don't want to look stupid. Because I'm probably the only person that doesn't know this. Right. But come to find out, the majority of people don't know it. Right. Wow. And so I had to find a way to try to help people understand what I learned, but easier because it, it, the reason why I didn't know it is because it's so hard to understand. So you were able to like, you were able to like uh, uh, break it down to like, you know, so-called layman's terms or you were able to make it like um, communicative or, or, or articulate? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm the queen of analogies. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, I mean, that must have been, an, uh, I mean, just an amazing uh, uh, self journey on your own, right? Because you had, you had to start asking yourself a lot of questions, right? Like, like, what's my values? Am I worthy? I'm really enjoying learning this. And then, you know, then you had to turn that switch on to be like, okay, now I need to share. Now I want to share it. It just, it's interesting. It's just an interesting, like, first off, it's, it's way interesting to me that you're only kind of like six to eight years in, into this journey. And, and, and the impact that you've made, one. And two, just the, just the psychological growth that you had to have, which, again, is like a decade of growth, and you seem to have had that decade of growth in a year or two. Yeah, well, then I remember after someone told me to start an Instagram account after this because I wasn't even introduced to Instagram. And I had all this content that was already built up on my page on my, or in my phone. 
from Facebook and I didn't have an Instagram. And do you guys know Don Godfrey? Sure. All right. So he was the person I was introduced to and I met him at a, a hair show four or five years ago and he had these hair pages. And I remember I reached out to him after the hair show and I said, you know, I, I think I sent him a picture and I said, can you post this? I was I, like everybody else. I was looking for followers at the time. Right. Everyone wants followers, followers, followers. And so I asked him if he would post this picture. And I remember I was so grateful. I said to him, I said, well, if there's anything I can ever do for you, just let me know. And you know what he did? I, I was freaked out. He goes, yeah, I could use a contributor to my page. And he gives me the password to a, one of his hair pages. He goes, you can post yourself three times a week. I'm like, what? did he just give me access to like an entire feature page? <laughs> <laughs> Which he did. And I took that page from 50K to 500K. Wow. But through doing that, it started to help me understand like social media, basically, like everybody's attracted to different things just because I don't like it doesn't mean other people won't like it. But then I realized too, like, if you're not, people will follow because you have to be, they have to be either motivated by you, educated by you. Something has to be, there has to be a connection, right? So it wasn't about the follower. It was about the content. So through posting myself on his page and, and, and I just, that's how I learned about social media. So I will say I got a little bit ahead of the curve as far as that goes because I had this page and I was doing video content probably before anybody had ever thought about doing a video because I already had it. Right, true. Well, the videos really helped me take my page from like nothing to more substantial in a short amount of time. So when people ask me like, how do you get more followers? I always say, if you want followers, then buy them because if that's your only concern, then just buy them. If you need to have an audience of people who you are connecting with or that makes sense to you, it's completely different, completely different. Wow. Did you, um, when you first started doing your videos and stuff, like I kind of got the sense, like when you were starting to like grow there, that, that you were, you were fighting a lot of insecurity there. When, when you, when you first clicked on that camera, what, what was that process like? Or, or do you have videos that you clicked on and tried to teach that, that, that never made it to air? Well, I never had a problem posting the videos. What my thing was, I didn't want to have to talk. I didn't want to have to talk. So I wasn't going to teach it in person. I wasn't going to voice over it. I would put the video up. And, and if you notice something significant about my videos, and, and you can go look, none of them, none of them show my face. Right. It's only my hands ever. <laughs> and that's right. become your trademark in a weird way, right? Yeah. Well, because when I would do it, I would say, don't get me in it. Just show what I'm doing. So I said, and I, the way that I video and I have an assistant that does it is I want people to have a bird's eye view into what it looks like when I'm doing it. So it was never about me being in the video. So it just kind of continued like that. And so then I would create the video and then I would caption it to match what I was doing. Right. So that meant you had to read too. So, so for someone who had no intention of, you know, doing live education or teaching classes, how did you end up doing it? So as far as teaching goes, I had a lot of people that were asking me to teach in-person classes. And like I said, I had no intention on doing that. So what I did is I asked my boss at the time if I could use a salon to teach class for just two local girls. I said, okay, I can handle that. And I remember I went out and bought all these um, things for that. Like I spent a lot of money building them some swag bags and I had lunch 
ordered and breakfast and I built this little curriculum and we just, and I even remember that day, how nervous I was that day. But those two people, it was kind of word of mouth at first, um, told two more people, to, told two more people, told two more people. So I went from two people to four people to eight people to 16 people. And I didn't even have a website or a way to sell tickets at the time. So people would either write me a check, so. PayPal me, or use my credit card swiper when they came in for the class. <laughs> so how, what were you teaching? It wasn't your balayage class, was it? Well, that, it was only balayage at the time. That's where the name balayage boot camp came from because right. it's expanded now. So I will make a mention that for anybody that's thinking about getting into education, be mindful of what you want to call your, um, your Instagram name or your education because I feel like I'm a little bit imprisoned by my, my name and my class because it's something that I do very little of now. So it's even called, yeah, so, yeah, so I don't teach the balayage anymore. I actually bring in other artists to teach that part. Um, and then even I do a lot of foil work and everything now too. And everyone's like, oh, that's not a balayage because it's in my name. I wish I had picked a different name in the beginning. What name would have you picked? Just my, my name. Just, just uh, Lisa Walker. Lisa but Walker. I tried that, but you know, that's a common name and it wasn't going to happen. It was like. I would have had to put an underscore and 16 numbers behind it and everything else. <laughs> yeah, as, as I was researching Lisa Walker, yeah, there's a thousand Lisa Walkers that popped up. <laughs> yeah, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't doable, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I didn't so, mean, so, so from PayPal. Yeah, so from there, so these classes started growing and then, um, but I wasn't out as far as traveling. You had to come to me at that time. And um, the salon I'm in, you can probably get about, 16 was about our max, I'll be honest with you, maybe 14 to 16. And then I remember calling up a friend of mine and I remember asking him, hey, can you help me build a website? And he's like, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, please, please, please just try out because I'm not very techy when it comes to that stuff. So we spent about three or four hours on the phone that night and we built this website and then we called for host salons, anybody that wanted to host the class. And within two weeks, we were fully booked. This started in April, and we were booked out for the rest of the year. Um, yeah. And I, and I will tell you, um, anybody that's listening, too, it cost me money to become an educator. I think a lot of people think that you go out here and you just, you know, charge these exorbitant prices for tickets, and then you make money. But I was, I was in debt to begin with because I bought all the mannequins myself, all the supplies myself all the flights, the hotel, the rental car. I made sure they had certificates. I bought the food. There was a lot of money that I invested on the front end to be able to even do this. I had no company support at the time or anything like that. It wasn't until years later that I had companies supporting me, offering swag, offering product and things like that. Wow. So that went on for about two years and I did it. Um, I wasn't smart about it in the beginning. Hold on. We built this website, but we did it really, the first year was really, really exhausting. We didn't plan well, not to no fault of our own, you know, you learn as you go, but we would literally be doing like, um, we would leave on Saturday and let's just say we would fly to Seattle, Washington and we would do a class there and then we'd book a flight for that night and we'd be in Portland the next morning. Hmm. So we were jumping locations, you know? So we decided that was, and it was a lot because flights were delayed, you know, anything like that. And you would get in sometimes this place at two o'clock in the morning. You'd have to get the salon by eight o'clock in the morning. It was just a lot. So and how so did the you next, figure it all out? I mean, were you just You, like, you just kind of learn as you go. The, the, the second thought was the next year was, let's just ask if we can use the same salon two days in a row. 
because you need to maximize your time on the road. You're away from your family, you're spending money, you have to make it worthwhile. And the classes were getting um, popular enough at that time that we could facilitate two full days in one place because we'd sell out of a location and then we'd try to find another location in that area. So then we just started asking salons, could we use the salon for two days? Um, and so we would work a deal with the salon at that time. Like maybe they pay for the, they get free tickets or you pay for the food one day, we'll pay for it the second day, things like that. And I only had, there was just three of us at the time, me, another educator and an assistant. And then that following year, this is kind of the turning point. I just, um, I parted ways with my other educator. Um, and then, um, the other assistant that I was working with, her kids were starting school. She has small kids. And she said, I don't think I'm going to be able to travel during the school year. So honestly, I was just like, you know what? I think I'm, this is going to be over. Not that I wanted to be over. I just was like, I'm, I felt like I was starting from the ground up again, just mm -hmm. like with the hair thing. And that's when I reached out to Victor and I remember calling him What's and I had, pardon me. What's Victor's last name? Valverde. And I had met him a few years prior when I went to his salon and I did a collaboration class with um, another group of people. And he asked me to come back and do a class for him a couple months later. And I thought he was, I thought he was kidding, literally. I'm like, okay, he's, he's just talking out the side of his mouth. <laughs> and uh, he did. He called me and he's like, okay, so this is the, I'm like, oh, okay. So then I kind of got nervous. I was like, oh, he was serious. So when I did that, I said, well, I'll make you a deal. I'll come do your class with you. And then I want you to host me for Balayage Bootcamp. And that's kind of how we met. And I remember um, we weren't where we are now. We would just talk every once in a while. I would do a class for him or I'd ask him a question. But there wasn't much um, communication between us at that time. But I remember reaching out to him about this and saying, you know, I think Balayage Bootcamp is, is over. And he said, why? I said, well, you know, I don't have any more educators and I, um, my assistant can't work during the school year anymore. And, and he goes, no, you don't quit. You go bigger. I go, what do you mean go bigger? He goes, instead of using salon, use event spaces. He's like, get audio, get visual, bring in other educators, you know? So he's opening up my, and I, and I'm be honest with you, I'm completely negative to all this. I'm like, yeah, but what if you do all that and it doesn't work? And, and I had all these excuses again. And he's like, yeah, but what if it does? What if it does? So I said, okay, well, let's try it then. So, and I said, and who's going to facilitate all that? You? He said, yeah. Okay. So now, because I, I, I need like a push, you know, just like Donna pushed me to stay. I need a little push. So he found a space in Miami, Florida. It was a hotel space. And um, I remember being so nervous because this was the first time that we were expanding the class into a two-day curriculum. Um going with the audio, going with the visual, using a space. So just using an event space in itself, the cost of doing that is so high that the risk is so high. Right. Because you're like, if I don't sell these tickets, it's going to be bad. But we sold all that. We, we actually could have sold more. We sold it out the first year and we had um, 16 people on staff that time. So he brought in people from his team. I brought in people from my team. Um, we advanced the curriculum, we brought in more visuals, we just completely in that time, I think I talked to him and maybe, gosh, I want to say it was like October or November, and I had until that January to 
get all this together. So that's when we became um, a full-on production. Right. So things change in the sense that now you, you come in an hour early, you register, you get a wristband that says if you're a day one or day two attendee. Um, full curriculum, we provide the mannequin, we provided lunch, certificate of completion. Um, everything was printed and logoed, so everything was very professional. So that's how, and from there, and I remember that first one I did, I was almost on a high. I was like, oh my God, that was amazing. Rockstar. So no, it was just, it wasn't that. It was, you know, you, like I said, you don't like hearing your own voice back. So it's annoying enough just to talk in front of people. Not to do it with a mic on is even more <laughs> nerve wracking. I love seeing this insecure Lisa Walker. Oh. <laughs> no, it's not that. I tell people all the time, I'm an I'm a, uh, anti-social extrovert. Like, I don't mind talking to people. I don't mind being at a party. I can talk. But after that, I, like, shut down. Right. You know, like, even if spotlight shining on you. <laughs> well, I hate to tell you this. Even if I had, a, even if I was in front of 10,000 people, right? If I was doing a, a speech for 10,000 people, I could do that. But the minute I come down from there, I have to like disengage, which makes people think that I'm um, a little standoffish or a little um, unapproachable. And I don't mean to come off that way. It's just that I'm not as social in those type of set settings is what I'll say. Right. So wow. when, you know, you nice you, us. we met you in that setting. You were like nice us. It's, but you know, like when I literally run and go to a back room when I'm done. Yeah, and, 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 I, and, I don't, and I know people want to like mingle or take pictures and stuff like that, but that's when I get antisocial. And it's not me being mean or rude. That's just, it makes me uncomfortable. Right. 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 Well, now people know that, which is good. So people to respect that and right. appreciate that. It's, it's, so, and I hope to understand it's me, not them. It's not them. It's me, least, not them. So were you guys the first like independent class to kind of like go like to go all in like that? Like, I don't, you know, you, you certainly see Red Kid, they have their thing and how they do it. But, you know, were you guys kind of the first independents to be able to pull that off? I think we were the first ones to go, not first independent, but the first one to go into that space, that the audio, the visual. I mean, we had camera people. We, and, and the amazing part about it is the entire team is run by hairdressers. That's amazing. So the person, the person at the front desk that greets you is a hairdresser. The person that's setting up is, is a hairdresser. The person running the camera is a hairdresser. The person that's setting up the projector is a hairdresser. And the person laying down the, the, the plastic on the floor, everybody who's facilitating is a hairdresser. I love There's that. no professionals, I mean, not professionals outside of the hairdressery that come in. The only time we've ever done that is when we've had um, an actual person come in to do a video that was for a professional reason. So that was like a video crew. But any other time, anybody you see that's helping you, um, all of those are hairdressers. That's the amazing part. We only work with other hairdressers. I absolutely love that. We, um, you know, we've done a show and we, and when you're talking about the event space, I know, I know I saw Tony's eyes light up a little bit is that we know how expensive those things are, especially to do a one or two day event and, you know, two day event, I guess, doubles your cost as well. So, I mean, bravo, well, I, bravo for doing it. This is, and I think people don't understand this, and I and I don't really talk about it because I don't talk about um, money or things like that on my Instagram or in public or anything. But um, when people look around a room, right? Let's just say the ticket's a thousand dollars, and you look around and you see a hundred people, and you start doing the math, you start adding it together, right? 
And I always say, but nobody ever sees the other part of it. If there's 16 people there with you, that's 16 flights. That's the minimum eight hotel rooms for those people for three to four days. Mm -hmm. It's food for everybody in the class for two days. Mm -hmm. It's a mannequin head for everybody in the class. Not only that, everything that happens before we even get there, there's 16 pieces of luggage that get on the plane. There's professionally printed curriculums. Everyone gets a pen. Everyone gets a certificate. Everybody gets, we try to increase the value as much as possible. So the ticket cost is covering that. Right. Because we want to be able to feed them and we want to be able to give them a certificate and we want to be, we have a big step and repeat when you come in so you can take pictures behind that. So that's one thing that I really learned about Victor. He's like, it's not about price, it's about value. He's at least you can price the class, whatever you want it to be, but you have to be able to add value to that. And my whole intention from day one with starting classes was this, and you can go back in time and, 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 and see this. I've never been one to over-advertise my classes. I don't push them down people's throat. I don't post them every day of the week. I said, I need people to sell my class for me. So I've always said, if I give a good class, anybody that was there will tell other people, they will tell other people, they will tell other people. And I won't need to constantly tell people how great it is because other people will do it for me. And that was always the goal for me. And a lot of people, you know, and I kind of say this, like the, Aside from the personal aspect, you know, people can say, oh, well, she's a little direct or she's okay, but I'm not here for that. I'm here to teach you. And sometimes I can't be nice and teach you at the same time. <laughs> so I'm going to force you to learn. Right. So you're going to get what you came for. I can't always deliver it in the way that people want it delivered. So I'm okay with that. Right. I love that, Lisa. It's very, it's very cool to me too, how like still today, your goal is the same as when you have two people. Right. And that was just create so much value that, that you're forced to talk about it as, as a, as a participant. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I, I'd say my Instagram is for stylists. My education is for stylists. Everything I do is for stylists. So I guess why I always say I'm misunderstood is because sometimes people will say um, I'm A, B or C, but I'm like, you guys don't, you have to look at the bigger picture. I care so much that I dedicate most everything I do to stylists. I teach you on my page. I teach you on my live. I teach you in a Facebook group. I teach you in person. I am not selfish is what I'm going to tell you. You don't have to come to the class. You come to the class because you want more, but it's not going to stop me from teaching you in a post or on a live or in my stories or anything like that. I'm, I'm dedicated to teaching, helping Silas learn mm. at any capacity. You don't have to be, you don't have to come to a class. You can still learn. I, I, I love the evolution of you, you know, like how from the hobby hairdresser <laughs> until like the last six, seven, eight years where uh, you're so obsessed with teaching, right? It's not necessarily, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the class is what the class is and, you know, you got to charge it, it, you know, because you, you have a big overhead, but you fell in love with education and you fell in love with teaching others and especially someone who's kind of a, you know, introvert, you know, to be able to put yourself out there to, uh, and that, that's, that's mad respect. I have mad respect for you, to be honest with you. I do. Thank you. So that, yeah. So the moral of the story is this, is I can't say that I have a passion for doing hair. I can't, I can't honestly say that. I can't say that, um, it's been four weeks since I touched hair and I'm completely okay with it. 
<laughs> but to not be able to teach people, that would be more devastating for me. So my passion is definitely sharing and teaching. And that's what I was trying to explain to my husband. It's not the doing the hair part. I can live without that. I would miss it a little bit. I can't be without teaching or sharing or helping people learn. Mm. I love that, Lisa. But I, I the my, yin I, yang. But I keep my hands in here because I want to be able to relate to, to the people in my in the room too. Like I want them to know I go through that too. Customers drive me crazy sometimes too. Sometimes I do something and it's it's not good and I beat myself up. And other days I do something and I'm like, wow, I really did that. <laughs> so I want to know I I, I know exactly how they feel. That's amazing, Lisa. That it's just so cool. I, I love that within this conversation, we actually got to witness your evolution. Like Tony was saying, you know, one of my favorite books ever is uh, is the autobiography of Malcolm X. And why that why that book is so amazing is because it was actually written during his transition, and, and it was just really nice that they were able to capture that um, in the book. And and I kind of feel like you've been able to, or you've been very aware of what that turning point for you was. And and, and I just love the fact that you can share that. That's really, really cool. Yeah, and, and people ask me all the time, like, what, you know, how to become an educator. And my uh, first answer is to be a constant student. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Lisa, how's your family responded to, like, your newfound, like, uh, successes? They're very supportive, very supportive, because I travel a lot now. Mm -hmm. um, my husband it just happens to work out. But his days off are Sunday and Monday. So Saturday is when I would go to the airport and my dad always, my dad, we call him Jeeves. He's like the butler. He does <laughs> so much. So he comes and gets me and then he takes my son and then my husband gets off work Saturday and he'll go pick him up. And then he's with my husband from on Sunday and Monday. And then I'm home by Monday night or Tuesday morning. That's awesome. And that, that's pretty cool that your son and husband get to like really create like bond time. You know, I know that. So they, I'm telling you, they love it when I leave. Love it. <laughs> They're probably the ones dying. I call home. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're at Dave and Buster's. Uh, what? We don't go to Dave and Buster's when I'm home. I said, do you wait till I leave to do fun stuff? Uh huh. So, I will say though that I appreciate it because my husband overcompensates for the for my absence. Right. So my my son, they call it two guys just hanging out is when I leave. So funny thing, funny thing, I don't know when this will air, you know, that we're in quarantine right now. So my son says to me yesterday, he goes, I've been a little snappy. And me and my son don't spend this type of time together because I'm usually traveling. He's usually in school. I work. And I, and I said, I said, and you, I said, and don't talk to me like that anymore yesterday. He goes, I'm sorry, mommy. He goes, I think we're spending too much time together. <laughs> <laughs> I go, do I need to take a little trip? He goes, I think so. Because we're just, I mean, this is a lot, a lot. So parents, you need a break. So quit trying to be a superhero and spend every week and with your kids. You need a break too. Dude, that's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the future hold? Um, so like I said, I don't know when this will air. So if anybody's listening to this, this is during quarantine. So my livelihood um rest heavily on everything we're not allowed to do right now it relies on me traveling it relies on me being in groups over a hundred it relies a lot on that right so right now um it's at a complete halt 
Um, I know that I will not stop teaching. I'm just trying to come up with creative ways to start facilitating my education in the future. It may be um, live broadcast. It may be pre-recorded and then edited. Um, I think that in the future, we may go back to salons for a little while instead of event spaces. Um, the class will be a smaller, more intimate, always like kind of going reverse. And I think that um, anyone listening needs to know that when you do go back to the salon, whether you're doing hair or whether you're educating, we are gonna go back to the beginning a little bit in a way where we're gonna have to allow a little bit more time for our services. We're gonna have to space them out a little bit more. We're gonna have to give them the experience, the customer service. So I think everyone's gonna have to take a step back, including myself, and um, just try to reorganize and rethink the way that we're doing things. But I think that's what you should always do is be moving forward and be innovating and what, what's next. So that's probably where I'll be going with it next is like I said, live stream classes, smaller in salon. It took four years to build it. Um, and I think I can do it again. Right. Well, and you haven't lost it. I mean, it's just, it's just been paused, right? It's been paused. Yeah. And I, but I'm, I, people think that I'm negative. I think sometimes that I'm not negative as much as I'm a realist and I'm a, I call myself a progressive thinker. I'm very realistic. Like I know that some people, when this is over, they're not going to be ready to get on a plane right away. I've already thought about that. Right. That people might be nervous to be in groups of over a hundred. I've already thought about that. I am definitely taking people into consideration, not just myself. So what can I do in the near future that will be comfortable for not just myself, but my team and the people attending? That's awesome. Do you, when you, when you fly again, do you think you'll be masked and gloved and all that stuff? I do think I will be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny cause I, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to kind of jump off subject for a second. Cause you know, as I'm, as you listen to Lisa, you know, she could, if you didn't know her and, 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 you know, she can be kind of intimidating and here she is, uh, you know, has this kind of hard shell, but you know, she is kind of a, but you, you know, you're thinking about others constantly education. You know, you're already thinking about others when you get back. It's like you have this soft spot for others in your heart. And and it's just so it's, you know, when you look at you, it's, it's like this, like, or, you know, intimidating, you know, you come across with, you know, but yet, you're just so giving and you're thinking about others. It just, it, it, you, you know, get it. That's why I, that's why I was, I misunderstood. Yeah. This, totally. this hard exterior gets, gets, gets more attention than the, than the mushy inside. Right. Yeah, totally. So I, I totally. always tell people that I was, I'm misunderstood. Yeah. Much love, much respect. Oh, thank but you. I, I think, I think the same joke applies to uh, Lisa that did to Tabitha is that uh, she's, she's like fun. Right, she's kind of hard on the outside, but kind of warm and gooey on the inside. Like, yeah. I'm like an M&M. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Just gooey cake. <laughs> we won't That's tell funny. anyone, Lisa. <laughs> right. But no, I, 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 that's not how I am. But then, like I said, though, just don't talk about my family and we'll be all right. Yeah, oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> you can say whatever you want about me. Right, right. Hey, so that must be pretty cool, though, like how, like, your brothers and sisters and parents are responding to your success. Or do they, or do they get it? Because I certainly know that, like, like, I don't necessarily know if our family gets uh, what Tony and I are up to, especially when we do all the traveling. Does your family kind of get what you're up to and get that the success and the lives that you're changing? 
they do but you know there's uh, there's this other side of me where i try to keep things very 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 normal i'm exactly the same person today that i was last year and the year before and the year before and the year before so on that aspect it doesn't seem different because i don't act any different right so even with the salon that i work in um people have asked me like um why do you still work behind the chair or you know have you ever thought about opening your own salon or, you know, have you ever thought about going to a different salon? And I said, you guys, this is where it all started for me. I had no Instagram when I started here. I said, and when I come here, I get to just be Lisa. Mm-hmm. Meaning there is no Lisa loves balayage in the salon. Because a lot of my coworkers um, have people ask them, what is it like to work with me? And they're like, it's very normal. <laughs> like she's very, I said, but this is my normal place. Everyone, I'm, I, I don't have to. There's no expectation, if, per se. You know what I mean? Right. It's just, I have clients that have been seeing me for 20 years. They don't even understand what I do outside of work. I'm just, I'm just Lisa. So I like that, that side of me. It kind of give you some That's her new brand. That's her new brand. Just Lisa. Just Lisa. I mean, I hate to say it that way because you, you turn into your Instagram name. Yeah. So when you're out in public or in these big event spaces, that's what people call you is by your Instagram name. But when I go to work and when I'm around my family, I'm just Lisa. Right. So they still treat me like shit. They still. (laughs) Yeah. So my brother still crack jokes on me and you know. That's great. That's awesome. I think we just named the podcast. I think the name of the podcast is going to be just Lisa. Yeah. Just Lisa Walker. I love it. Lisa, you're awesome. Thank you. Uh, thanks for spending time with us. I, 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 I have, uh, like Tony said, like I have a brand new respect for you. Um, and that doesn't come from, that didn't start in disrespect. I always had respect for you, but, 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 but to get to know you and to kind of get to know your story and, and what you stand for, I'm, I'm, I'm mega impressed with you as a person and you as an educator. And, you know, again, I thank you from the industry. Thanks for all that you're doing. Thank, thank, thank you. Cause, uh, you know, Tony and I, we've, like I was saying before, our heritage show, we've done some private events and, and you certainly, um, you, how you're doing it is certainly a goal for, for, for how we, we, we want to be seen as well. So again, just, I just appreciate it. Um, Tony, you got anything? Nah, just keep doing what you're doing and, uh, much love and respect and, you know, and like you said, on behalf of the industry, uh, we appreciate you totally. Yeah. I appreciate you guys as well. Absolutely. Lisa, do you have anything to add before we jump off? Uh, no, I think that's good. Unless you guys have any more questions for me. Um, yeah. I mean, I could go on for days and days and days, but we're already about an hour in. So, uh, so I think this is the time to dip out. Uh, Miss Lisa Walker, just Lisa, just Lisa Walker from Lisa Loves Bobby. I thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Thank you. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>